Welcome to the Behind Their Business Podcast, the show that's peeling back the curtain and showing what's actually happening behind the scenes of running a business. I'm your host, Steph Blake, and each week you'll hear from women at all levels of business who are showcasing their stories of struggle and triumph as they juggle business ownership with day-to-day life. Join us to hear inspiring stories and strategies for starting and growing your own business. Hey everybody, Steph Blake here, and I am so glad that you are here for this week's episode. As usual, it is going to be amazing, so you are in for a treat. But before we dive into that episode, I want you to join our private and 100% free and supportive community for business owners to connect in called the Confident CEO Community. So if you have not joined us yet, here is your invitation to come and join us. Each week I also do a live training to share my best tips and tricks for scaling an online business the easy way. We talk about strategy, team building, mindset, tools, automation, and everything in between to help you confidently step into the CEO role in your business. So you can go to confidentceocommunity.com to join us today. And now let's dive in to this discussion with our incredible guest. Welcome back to the Behind Their Business podcast, or if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. Today, our guest is going to share about her story of managing bipolar disorder while running a business. And in her business, our guest is a marketing strategist, website designer, and host of the Marketing Chat Podcast, which I was a guest on recently. And she's also the founder of the Women Podcasters Academy. She has been in business for herself since 1999. So she's she's done this for a while. She knows what she's doing and was previously a marketing consultant and a life and business coach. But her overall mission is to give freelancers and entrepreneurs, the marketing tools they need to create the successful business of their dreams with way less stress and way more fun, which I think we can all get behind. So please welcome to the show, Kelly Smith. Kelly, I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you so much, Steph. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. So you, okay. So you've been in business for a while. I mentioned that. So let's, let's talk about where things started. So if you could share what you were doing before you started your business, what you started doing in the beginning stages of your business and kind of how things have evolved to where they're at now, just to give people an idea of what's been going on with your life. Okay. So before I started my business, I was a stay-at-home mom. I My undergraduate degree is in biological anthropology. At the same time, I got a teacher certification in high school biology So I went and got a master's degree in biology to help with that. I got married right out of college, 23 years old. He went into the Marine Corps as an officer. I followed him to North Carolina, ended up having kids right away. Had my oldest daughter when I was 25. So stayed home, next daughter when I was 27. So they were just 20 months apart. And yeah, stayed home with them for the first few years and got bored very quickly. So I went to business school for a year. He got a promotion, which moved us to Mexico, but we were having problems at that time. So we split up. I moved back to Houston, where I'm from, and got hooked up with a friend and former professor from business school, but they startup company. And I so did marketing consulting for them. 
I ended up consulting the Rice University Business School, a DNA company in Houston whose tagline at the time was, who's the daddy? They were doing paternity testing primarily then. And so that's how I started as a marketing consultant because my focus in business school, or at least what I loved the most was marketing and did really well in it. So it's like, oh my God, this is fantastic. So that's how I started in marketing consulting. And I had actually always had entrepreneurial spirit. When I was seven years old, I took paintings that I had done to the end of the driveway and tried to sell them. And my mother ran out and was like, you can't do that. <laughs> like, oh my God, mom, but entrepreneurial spirit, you know, I want to be a professional artist. And actually I started doing that on the side as well and still do. It doesn't pay the bills, but, um, but yeah, I do art as well. And in 2010, I became a life coach. And when people found out that I had been a marketing consultant, they're like, well, will you coach me on my marketing? Okay. Uh, And I still, you know, adore marketing, obviously. So I did that too. And honestly, it was really tough to market myself. It's like, well, am I doing life coaching or am I doing marketing coaching? And I didn't listen to my own marketing wisdom for several years there in deciding what is my positioning? What am I going to focus on? So how do I market myself? So honestly, it was confusing for a few years there and trying to decide what actually am I doing? And so when people would ask me, you know, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, please don't ask me that. (laughs) Just the worst. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, life coaching and business coaching. I mean, that would essentially be business coaching. Completely different. Completely different. Exactly. Yes. And when you do business coaching, you're doing life coaching in there too. You know, I mean, because people need that. Entrepreneurs or small business owners, they need that life coaching as well, mixed in with the business coaching. But, you know, I can't bill myself as a life coach if I'm also doing the business coaching. So I had to build myself either as one or the other. And I just wasn't listening to my own wisdom at the time. And a huge part of that was because of the bipolar disorder, which wasn't being treated consistently at that time. So, you know, jumping ahead there to explaining that. Yeah. So that's actually a perfect segue. So let's dive into that right now, if you're comfortable with it, just talking about absolutely um, what, what made you realize that you had bipolar disorder? Can you just share that story to explain how that came to be? Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. So the first time I had a bipolar breakdown, I was 17 junior in high school and I had not been sleeping for a few weeks and didn't realize what was going on at the time. And I wasn't actually diagnosed until 1999. So business school, into the first year of business school. And so 17 years old, it turns out I had been a little bit manic, just wasn't sleeping. And then would be... Um, not dragging during the day, because when you're a little manic, you just have all this energy and you're just going, but it turned into what's called dysmorphia and uh, sorry, dysphoria. And so I was irritable and, um, 
would get angry easily. So it wasn't what people think mania may be, which is, oh, happy, 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 which mania is not, or all of this energy where I was very productive. Dysphoria is, they're not necessarily productive. And I crashed really hard and just sort of blamed it on all this pressure my dad was pushing on me to go to Harvard, which I did end up doing. But, you know, junior year is like the year, right? In high school, if you're going to go to like the college of your dreams, you know, you have to really perform junior year. And so no one sent me to a psychologist, you know, therapist or psychiatrist or anything. It was just like, oh, it's just the pressure getting to her. So my dad said, well, I'll ease up then. And so nothing came of it. Never saw anyone. Nothing was diagnosed. And then I had a few more issues in college. Never told my parents about it. They just like didn't quote believe in mental illness. So like I talked to therapists there, but again, nothing was diagnosed. So it wasn't until I had a huge breakdown in business school. Uh, toward the end of that first year, when I went to a therapist and a psychiatrist and the medications actually made it worse. And so I switched and that therapist and psychiatrist, those therapists and psychiatrists were fabulous. And that psychiatrist finally diagnosed me as having bipolar disorder because what I had been going through, I just assumed was depression. And I thought that what I was experiencing with the massive irritability and not sleeping and at first being really productive because like hypomania, you can be super productive. And I was getting all of this stuff done in business school and like all these projects, like, wow, this is amazing. I want to keep this going. And then it turned into full-blown mania with some psychosis. So like I was seeing stuff that wasn't there which got really scary. And I just assumed, wow, this is weird for depression, but I guess it's just part of it. And when I mentioned that, she's like, no, dear, that's not depression. And she kept asking questions like, that's psychosis and this is mania and you have bipolar disorder. I mean, it took longer than that, but you know, I'm just shortening it. And so she put me on the right medications for bipolar disorder, not for depression. There are different medications that you need. And I got into intensive therapy outpatient, but still, and uh, we, we got things balanced and stable, but over the years, like a lot of people with, or like what happens with a lot of people with bipolar disorder, I kept going on and off of my meds and in and out of therapy. And so for most of the years, since it was diagnosed, I was un or under treated. And so when I, what, particularly when I was a life coach or business coach, whatever I was <laughs> when I was a coach, I was not treated for most of that time. And I would have a little breakdown and it would get in the way. And in 2014, the end of that year, spilling into 2015, massive breakdown. And 
first it was hypomania and it felt great. I was super productive. I wrote a book, did the layout for the book. It was self-published, edited, not well, it turns out. (laughs) Found lots of typos later. Did the cover design, interior layout, everything in one month. And crashed really hard afterward. And I didn't realize what was going on at first because, you know, hypomania feels fabulous. And it was a few weeks after the book came out that I just didn't feel like promoting it. I'm like, oh, I'm done with this. I just want to move on. And I didn't realize I was falling into depression. And then I finally realized what was going on. And I still didn't seek out treatment until like five months later when I just couldn't ignore it anymore. And that was like June uh, or end of May, beginning of June of 2015. And finally saw someone and got put on medication and did that for about six months. And that psychiatrist ended up leaving the practice. New psychiatrist came in. I stuck with it. Like I'm committed this time. I can't do this anymore. And that psychiatrist like, this medication is really toxic. And he or she wanted to switch the medication I was on. I'm like, okay. And that was terrible. Weaning off of that one, going on to this other. Honestly, it was as bad as having a breakdown. I was dysphoric again, so angry just with everything. My now second ex-husband and I were already having problems and that just exacerbated everything. And he wanted to go to couples therapy. And I'm like, we can't, I have to work on this first. And We didn't, he wouldn't, he just was out of patience. And this was 2017 at this point. Yeah, spring of 2007, winter and spring. And I got through it and became stable uh, late spring, early summer of 2017 and have been stable ever since tweaking those medications and being in therapy. And we still broke up, but I have been fabulous ever since then, totally stable and productive, able to focus, able to take care of of my son who's 16 now. My daughters are adults out of the house and I can't believe I went that long having it undertreated or untreated. Thank you so much for sharing your story. That's the way that you described that. It was so great. So thank you for taking us on that journey. And I really appreciate your vulnerability with sharing that. And I'm just so glad that you have gotten to a point right now in your life where you have been able to manage your medications the right way so that you are feeling quote unquote, normal. I don't even know if that's mm-hmm. the right word to use. Is it? It And that's fine. Yes. Or so stable, stable, healthy, stable that's the right word. Yeah. Productive mm-hmm. sleep 
is huge with this. So I had to, to become stable, I had to come to a point where I would accept that I'm going to be on medication for the rest of my life. There were so many years where I just couldn't accept that. I'm like, okay, I'll go on medication. Oh, I'm feeling better. I'll just go off of them. Or there were other times, you know, being self-employed where there were times that I couldn't afford health insurance and then I couldn't afford the medications because some of them are really expensive. I'm on one that is a brand name. There is no generic version of it. And I wouldn't be able to afford it if I didn't have health insurance. And there were other times that I had health insurance pre Obamacare ACA, where the insurance company would say, okay, we'll give you health insurance, but we're not covering any pre-existing conditions for two years. Great. Okay. So I had health insurance and I still couldn't afford the medications because they wouldn't cover them. So sometimes I wasn't on medication because I chose not to be on them. And other times I wasn't on medications simply because I couldn't afford them. Yeah. That's... So oh, I feel like we could talk for days about insurance companies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, terrible the it, system is, but we don't need to get into that right now. But right. Um, I am curious to know, did any of your clients back when you were doing life slash business coaching know that this was happening or did you kind of just hide it from them? I hid it. Yeah. So there were times when I would reschedule clients, you know, like I would just take a week and reschedule everyone and other times that I just got through it. I would just like kind of fake it. And this, this this may sound weird, but it is a thing. Like really smart people can fake it through mental illness pretty well. So I in a client meeting or teaching a class, it was hard to hold it together emotionally, but I could still perform well. Like my clients and students never suffered. I just would break down crying afterward because it was exhausting to hold it together, but they still got great results. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, that absolutely does make sense. So it was all of the pressure and the fallout was on you. They didn't have to experience any of it. Right. Which... Exactly. Yes. Yeah, I absolutely would not have kept the clients or students if they weren't getting really good treatment and results. If they were suffering at all, I would have gotten rid of everyone. I would have shut down the business sooner than I did. And when I shut it down, I had been stable for a year. So I didn't shut it down because of the bipolar disorder. I shut it down for other reasons. That was actually going to so, be my next question, talking about why you decided to shut down. If you're comfortable sharing that, why you decided yeah. to shut down and kind of like start over. Mm-hmm. So it was partially because my husband, my then husband and I had split. So my second ex-husband, and I split and I, I, so 
because the bipolar disorder, I had been taking fewer clients. So I wasn't making enough money and it got to the point where I wasn't supporting myself anymore from it. And I wasn't enjoying it anymore either. It was really exhausting. And I was in an area of the coaching world where in this little corner where people were teaching just cookie cutter strategies and no customization was going on. And it was, it just didn't fit me, but that's all I was hearing about in the little corner that I was in and from a particular program that I had done like six years earlier. And it just was stuck with me and, and it felt yucky, but it's like all I knew, I mean, except for my own marketing stuff, but it had just all gotten confused together a great in great part due to the bipolar disorder. So I just wasn't feeling it with the coaching anymore. And so all of those things together, I'm like, I've, I'm just closing it down. And, and then back to the having split from my ex-husband, uh, I decided to get another master's, this one in communication from Johns Hopkins. And I thought, I'm just going to get a job. Yeah. So go to graduate school. Loved it. I just love school. I love learning. And I'm the same way. I feel like I could be, I always tell people I could be a lifelong student. I just don't ever want to take tests or do homework, (laughs) but I always love learning. Yeah. Yeah. But I actually didn't mind doing the homework and, and the papers. There weren't tests or anything. So it was all papers and projects and it felt like doing client work. You know, it, so I didn't mind. It, it was actually really fun. And then focus on, you know, I got to pick all the classes. There were like two required classes and everything else. Just like, oh God, this is fabulous. And one of them was marketing and advertising. And I got to pick a fictional client. And so I created this hotel and made an entire advertising campaign for it. And oh my God, it was just amazing. So anyway, and so I came out of it, uh, actually started it. And it was in the marketing advertising class that immediately I started thinking about, I'm going to go back to marketing consulting <laughs> from day one, day one. But I finished and I started applying for jobs. Nothing came of it. Nothing. Then lockdown happened. Pandemic lockdown. So I stopped looking because, you know, there just wasn't going to be anything. And came out of that, like, you know, screw getting a job. I can't do it. I'm an entrepreneur. (laughs) I had been making websites for myself for 20 years and for some clients over the years. And I just had redone the one for the podcast that I do on the side, Geek Girl Soup, a pop culture podcast, which we've been doing since January of 2012. Like, you know, oh, and then a friend referred me to a uh, former Steelers football player to do his. Like, okay, let me do this like professionally and throw in marketing strategy for people because you can't just put up a website and expect people to find it. You know, if you build it, they will come. No, that doesn't work. So 
launched my podcast right away. People started asking me about, so how do you do a podcast? Can you recommend a course? No, I can't recommend a course. I just learned by doing it. And people kept asking. So I'm like, dang it, I'm going to start my own course. <laughs> oh, my community. <laughs> so yeah, I am a born entrepreneur. So yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That's a lot of ups and downs, right? Like, yeah, what a roller coaster. I feel like every entrepreneur's journey is a roller coaster, but yours has definitely been a little bit all over the place, which I think is great (laughs) because I'm sure that you've learned a ton throughout the process, not just um, related to business, but about yourself too. And knowing that absolutely you can't get a job. I, I always say the same thing. Like if the day ever had to come where I had to get a corporate job, I wouldn't do it. I would just do, I would figure something else out. I would, yes. <laughs> working for another person sounds yeah. really terrible to me now. I do not regret getting this master's in communication. It it was expensive. You know, it was an expensive lesson in first. Okay. I already knew most of that. I learned some new things, you know, since having been in business school and having been a marketing consultant. So I did up my skills. So that was great. But, um, yeah, so I, I don't regret it, but probably didn't need it. And, and, and it definitely taught me, no, I, it was, it felt soul crushing to be applying for jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so many people have gone through a similar situation, especially when the pandemic hit, it was, I think things are starting to pick up a little bit more now, which is good for those who, who need that. But I would love to know before we wrap up, if you can give somebody else some advice or um, just words of wisdom, if they are feeling like you were feeling all of those years ago, not really understanding what was going on, um, maybe thinking that not really knowing if something was wrong, but knowing that something was just off. And um, if they're experiencing that right now, what would, what suggestions would you have for them? Mm. really listen to your gut, whether it is your mental health or something in your business. So for me, like, you know, with my mental health and the bipolar disorder, I needed to get help sooner. I, I knew something was wrong and I am so independent that I just try to do everything myself historically. You know, I've tried to do everything myself and I needed to seek out help sooner. So that that's the first thing, like listen to your gut um, and, you know, seek out help when, when it tells you, uh, when your gut tells you to, and the listening to your gut in your business as well, when you know that you're like, quote, meant to do something, do it and make sure that it's right. You know, so gut and then head, you know, don't just fly like off the handle without putting reason in there as well. But the gut usually knows. Always knows. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it always does. So that's, that's very good advice. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And then just again, thank you for being here. Thank you for being vulnerable, sharing your story, because I know that there are a lot of people who are silently suffering with what you were going through before. So I know that this is going to have an impact on many, many people. So if somebody wanted to reach out and say hi or potentially work with you, where's the best place for them to connect with you? They go to AngelaKellySmith.com. 
Oh, and let's explain that your, your full, your first name is Angela, but you go by Kelly, right? Yes. My parents always called me Kelly. They didn't want people calling me Angie. It's like, you could have told people to call, just call me Angela. And like, no. So yeah, it's Angela Kelly Smith.com, but I go by Kelly. Perfect. Thank you for clarifying that. So thank you again for being here. This was great. Thank you so much, Steph. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Behind Their Business podcast with me, Steph Blake of the Blake Collective, which is a female-led company focused on helping online entrepreneurs start and scale their own businesses. If you or someone you know would make a great guest for the show, we would love to interview you. Visit our website at behindtheirbusiness.com to submit a short application and learn more about the show and how you can support our mission. If you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to share it with a friend or a loved one too. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you again for listening to the Behind Their Business podcast.